What up, sports world? Welcome back to another edition of Fourth and Forever Sports. You've got Scott here, as always, joined by Jacob and Taylor this week. So exciting times to be alive. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing great. Doing Happy to be here. We both talked at the same time. Great job. Taylor, you go first this time. I'm just I'm I'm happy to be here, man. Glad I or uh, disappointed I missed it last week, so I'm I'm glad to be here with the boys. No, absolutely, absolutely. Quick shout out to all the local first responders, firefighters, everybody out there doing their job. The police, we appreciate you greatly, and we appreciate you, Taylor. Also, a good time to plug the military. Scott was uh, in the army, so thank you for your service, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, at least you had a valid reason for missing last week, Taylor. It wasn't like you were just. Sorry, I got busy uh, at the mall or something. So you had an actually valid excuse. Yeah, that, that's one thing about the job is you just you never know. So I appreciate you guys sticking with me. Absolutely. Taylor's a big shopping guy, so that that could have also been a very real possibility, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, will, listeners will never know, whichever it was. Well. I'm glad you uh, touched on that a little bit, Jacob, uh, because it, it really just recently uh, struck me that we didn't talk about our background whatsoever. We just were like, hey, we're two guys and we like sports and bing, bang, bong, we're going to knock out a podcast. So why don't we go uh, one by one, just give a little background about about us and yeah, just kind of let the loyal listeners uh, know a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Grew up in... Uh... I'll, I guess I'll go ahead and start. Fire Sorry away. For talking over you again, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that uh, was my bad. As MCO was trying to hand it off softly, and I just was just like you fumbled it. Throwing that you fumbled in. it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, nope. Grew up in rural Oklahoma, uh, about ten miles off of any highway. Out where the potholes are bigger than vehicles. Out in the sticks. True story. No water County, Oklahoma. They don't have money to grade roads out there. Just for anybody that knows both my vehicles and my alignments problem are due to those roads. Went to LeBette County high school with Taylor Daniel Stice, who is on this podcast with us. Been best friends for a long time. So, uh, you know, like I said, last week, we talked about this forever. Uh, and it was very cool when Scott hit us up and or hit me up and we brought Taylor on to, to kind of make this dream a reality. So anyway, super excited to be here. Go ahead, Taylor. All right. Thanks, Jacob. Uh, so as I said, you know, I'm excited to be here, um, be a part of this. Uh, I am married, been married for two years, have two beautiful boys, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I am, as they said, a fireman in Parsons, Kansas, been a firefighter for a year now. Love my job. Um, love what I do, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to get this started. I'm a huge sports fan, um, so I'm thankful for you guys inviting me to be a part of it. Part of the tripod, sir. You complete us, as it were. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so, I guess I'm the only one who wasn't born in rural Oklahoma or Kansas. Uh, military background: My parents were in the, both in the Air Force. I was born in Florida. Uh, Korea, Mississippi, and then they retired in Oklahoma City. Uh, so I spent some my time there, my formative years, if you will. Uh, after that, I uh, bounced around a little bit myself for work and for the military and ended up back in Oklahoma City. That's where I've got roots down, so I'm glad to be back. And honestly, just a big sports fan, just like these two. And 
decided it was the right time to drop a podcast. New season, new us. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah. With that being said, uh, I think we've got some social media that we actually want to announce, and we've got something to coincide with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, kind of, we know that there's going to be some folks that listen to this that actually don't really maybe care so much about the stats and and all the things that we kind of really nerd out on. So we wanted to take it to a little bit more of a personal level. We're actually, all three of us have dogs, big dog people. Um, I actually have a full-blood Australian shepherd. I take him with me everywhere I go because his hair is crazy. Um, But we're actually starting an Instagram, 4th and Forever Sports on Insta. And I think our very first post is going to be our three dogs or the three of us and the dogs we own. So you guys can check that out after the pod drops. Uh, Feel free to go vote on which one is the cutest or, you know, which one you love the most. My dog's name is Cody. Unofficial unofficial pod pod mascot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The unofficial mascot of the pod. It's going to be a lot of fun. Go check it out. My dogs are rough, but I love them anyway. My dog's a little Tasmanian devil, but he's super cute. So, and uh, he offsets the craziness a little bit. He's a, a corgi. Yep. I, I have a uh, five-year-old Rottweiler and a three-year-old Boxer. So, they uh, keep things interesting around my house. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Two crazy to dogs and two wild little boys. Taylor's That's busy. exactly right. No, no comment on my it. wife. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her you said that. <laughs> well, hopefully she listens. Hopefully. Take it away, Scotty. All right. Cool. Well, I'm excited to have that up and running. Excited to see the dogs. I'm excited to see the interactions and the feedback. I'm excited, excited for my dog especially to be crowned official, unofficial podcast, <laughs> podcast mascot. His name is Atticus, for those who are wondering. And it's not because I'm a big To Kill a Mockingbird fan. It's just uh, my daughter liked the name. So here we are. <laughs> but I'm guessing that everyone's here. Well, some, some of y'all are here to hear about football and the goings on in the sports world. So I guess uh, let's dive right in. So to kick us off, let's uh, breaking news or breaking injury news. <laughs> uh, there have been a number of injuries. <laughs> And that those are actually uh, sound effects from uh, paid-for sound effects. They weren't my mouth doing that, I promise. <laughs> we're we're, we're high-tech here. <laughs> totally believable. <laughs> yeah. No, and a, and a more serious note, um, man, guys, I can't remember the last time there have been this many injuries within a week of training camp. Like, last, we didn't even touch on inju- injuries last week because – there weren't any because it was before training camp. And now there are like quite a few and serious ones and some big ticket name items, big ticket, name, big, pick, big ticket, big biller. I don't know. Important people that have gone down Taylor, man, who, uh, of the injuries that have popped up, what do you think, uh, which one is most concerning to you and which one do you think is going to be most detrimental to the team? So last year you hear big things before and during training camp. And this year you hear big, uh, things in training camp and how expectations are high for Tim Patrick. Um, last year goes out with an ACL injury. So I, I know Denver had to be excited for him to come back. Denver fans had to be excited for him to come back. And 
this year he ends up rupturing his ACLs or sorry his uh, Achilles. So tough break for Denver, tough break for Tim Patrick. You got to feel bad for a guy like that. And like you were saying earlier, man, like from everything we've heard, like he was looking good. He's like a great dude to have in the locker room, and it's somebody's like really going to impact the team. And on a more selfish note. You know, like, I think a lot of people were probably looking at him later rounds of fantasy as well. So, yeah, it's good. that's definitely going to be felt. And, you know, they are people. And so, most importantly, thoughts and prayers. Yeah, and I'm a Chiefs fan, so – and you still don't want to see any injuries, whether it's your team's rival or not. So, you hate to see it. Yeah, for sure. Especially, like, Achilles' tears are no joke. So, that sucks. So, hopefully he is a – and I know he's going to be after the season, but hopefully it's a speedy recovery and he comes back stronger. Absolutely. Well, Jacob, sir, who, uh, what's your biggest takeaway so far from the injury bug that seems to be prevalent? Well, a couple big names um, that have kind of been circulating this last week or so. Joe Burrow, calf strain, looking at six to eight weeks, I think they said. That's a big one. That's a problem. Hopefully he is not out that long, or at least he hopefully recovers completely because you sure don't want to see him miss any real length of time um, and and set the Bengals back, especially, you know, I mean, this could actually be one of their best years that they've got. I mean, this is the last year they're going to have T. Higgins probably. You look at T. Higgins, you know, Jamar Chase, they just restructured Joe Mixon, they went and got Orlando Brown to protect Joe Burrow. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why this Bengals team should be very successful, and you never really want to see them go down because of an early injury. So really hope Joe Burrow is not out long-term. Joe Shiesty, as the kids may call him. Another big one, Josh Allen. Not nearly as bad as Joe Burrow. Maybe not even a real thing at all. Just a report came out today that, he got rolled up on by a defensive lineman and tweaked his knee a little bit. So as a big mobile quarterback, you don't probably don't want to see that. And I know the Bills definitely don't. So those are those are just a couple of big ones that I've seen. Who you got? hundred uh, percent. And, you know, to touch on Joe Cool, Joe Burrow, you know, the nice thing about him is he's got such a command of that offense that Missing some time shouldn't be that detrimental. The only thing I'm concerned about is how much is that going to affect his mobility, right? Because that offensive line, while better than it was previously, is still uh, a work in progress. And so, you know, if he loses his ability to to move around in the pocket, is he going to risk re-injury or, you know, is it going to limit his effectiveness? That's my biggest takeaway from that. Because some of those injuries, while they're like back out there on the field, they're dealing through discomfort, pain, and sometimes, you know, limited mobility. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. You know, uh, Joe Burrow, probably not the most mobile guy, but he's he's got some sneaky speed on him, and he's got great vision. He sees holes, and he makes plays. So, um, yeah, you, you hate to yeah. see a guy have any leg injury. Yeah, he's not going to break off a 20- or 30-yard run, but he's kind of like Tom Brady was, you know, to where in the pocket specifically, whenever it starts to collapse around him, he's able to just shift it up in the pocket or side to side and avoid that initial pressure just because of his cognitive awareness of everything. And I could see that kind of injury impeding that a little bit. So something to keep an eye on. I am optimistic. It uh, doesn't sound like, you know, it's anything too terrible. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully he comes back uh, soon. It's unfortunate. 
and one thing we should mention, I was talking about Tim Patrick, or we were talking about Tim Patrick earlier. For those who don't know, because, you know, he's not exactly a household name. Tim Patrick, a sneaky good wide receiver for the Broncos. He posted some pretty solid numbers uh, back in the, I guess it'd be the 2021 season now. And everyone was looking to him to have a breakout season last year before he unfortunately went down with the ACL tear. So it's it's just even more like um, upsetting, especially you got to be frustrating for him. You know, you hate to see that for a younger younger dude who's on the precipice of breaking out. But I wanted to give a little background to who that was in case people don't know. He's not exactly a Josh Allen or a Joe Burrow yet. So just kind of give everyone a, some insight. Uh, but one that I was curious about, and not just the injury, but how the team is handling it, is Miami picked up Ramsey, and then he goes down almost immediately and has surgery the next day. And their initial inclination was like, what, October, I think, when they were expecting him back? And then the doctor who did the repair on it was like, no, you're looking at December. So most of the season. So I know that Miami trying to pull some damage control brought in Eli Apple, but there's a significant difference between Eli Apple and Jalen Ramsey, in my humble opinion. But what do I know? Yeah, you actually don't know anything. But in this instance, you know something. Because Eli Apple is a complete liability anywhere on the field. He played for the Saints for a little while. Liability. Played for the Bengals for a while. Liability. Played for the Giants, I believe, for a while. That's who drafted him. There's a reason he's not in the Giants anymore. Yeah. The reason he's not there anymore. I mean, Jalen Ramsey's a dog. <laughs> Eli Apple is much like uh, Ryan Gosling and Remember the Titans. Big liability. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just obviously Jalen Ramsey, big name guy, great player, still probably a top three cornerback. You hate to see it for that Dolphins team because they showed promise last year. They went and got Tyreek Hill. Um, they have speed all over the offense. Their defense is solid. So, I really think they uh, brought brought him in to kind of put him over the edge. Um, so, you know, he'll be back as long as they can hang on early on in the season. Uh, but the AFC is just so stacked, right? Like the first eight games of the season can really like – like there are teams that are going to be good that are going to be left out of the AFC playoff picture just because there's so much talent there, right? Like in the East alone, they've got the Bills and the Jets to contend with. That's if you count out or write off Bill Belichick and the Pats all together. Yeah, I thought it was real interesting. Well, I was going to say, I thought it was real interesting last week when you guys were doing your top six teams and uh, there was one NFC team in there. I I found that very interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's like like the Eagles stole all the the toys from the NFC and they just hold them all. (laughs) There's not another NFC team that I'm just like, man, I'm so excited to see them. Asterisk. I'm the, the Saints. I'm down. I'm down here in Oklahoma country, and I'm in Oklahoma, Texas country, and the general populace does not feel the same way. <laughs> Just so y'all are aware. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I do love the Lions too, so I'll throw that out there. I like the yeah, Lions but also. Is there, is there a single NFC team that's not named the Eagles that could be in the top five? I mean, no, not in my opinion, anyway. I mean, you. You could really battle for maybe Dallas or, you know, maybe Detroit, which is wild to say, by the way. But, I mean, I, I as Scott and I touched on, and I know Taylor feels this way, which, Taylor, you could drop a few quick AFC teams real quick also if you wanted to just kind of catch up to speed on that. But 
pretty positive we're all in agreement that the AFC is the superior conference. Yeah, yeah. I think it's safe to say uh, that the Bills, the Bengals, the Chiefs will be fighting it out again at the top of the AFC in the playoffs. You know, it's as a Chiefs fan, it's it's fun to watch, but it is stressful knowing that Joe Burrow and Josh Allen are going to be there in the AFC Championship. Yeah, or, or maybe Justin Herbert this year because Kellen Moore and that offense, I'm telling you boys, it's going to be wild. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be better than they are every single year. So until I see it, I'm, I'm not really sold on the Chargers. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there, sir. Uh, I, you, it's it's We're in prove-it mode, right? Like, I want I want to believe. I want to see the Chargers do well because I really, really like uh, – God bless, again, my, my brain. Herbert? Justin Herbert, there it is. <laughs> I fail. Let's do a sports podcast. Only I can never remember names ever. Uh, hey, it's all right. I, I won't leave you hanging out high and dry like Jacob does. I appreciate that, it's man. It's kind of fun to watch him freak out, actually. <laughs> it's, just, it's like worse because it's like compounds itself because I know it, you know, and then my brain is like oh, freaking yeah. out because we're on air. I'm like, ah. But uh, speaking of NFC powerhouses and injuries and what have you, uh, Jacob, what were you telling me before we kicked off about how uh, your hot take last week is uh, not the hot oh, yeah. take you thought it was? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I I just said it was fun to watch Scott squirm because he can't remember things, and then he puts me right on the hot seat. So, yeah, fun fact. Uh, about a week ago, I talked pretty high on Trey Lance, and then it was like Kyle Shanahan heard me and started dropping all these reports about how Brock Purdy is actually the truth. So, yeah, you know what? Maybe Trey Lance doesn't see the field this year. If that's the case, I'll take it on the chin. I think I stand by what I said. Trey Lance's athletic ability is much more than Brock Purdy, in my opinion. He can run, he can gun, he can do all the things. Maybe he's not completely healthy. Maybe he makes really horrible decisions. Maybe he's not that good. I guess we'll find out, but sounds like. Brock Purdy's the guy in San Francisco. So, rest of the world yeah. one, Jacob zero. Uh, I know Scott touched on it last week, um, Brock, which I think ultimately you got to play the hot hand. But uh, Scott touched on it last week, how Brock Purdy just takes care of the ball and does what needs to be done. And I think that's kind of the 49ers MO. You know, uh, Jimmy G was probably not the best quarterback, but he got the job done at times. And you saw the same thing with Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy was way better at taking care of the ball, making throws when you have to, not having to overdo anything, not having to go crazy, but ultimately not costing your team the game. Yeah, the key phrase there was uh, at times when you're talking about when you're talking about uh, Jimmy G being the guy. Unfortunately, yeah, much to Shanahan's chagrin. Yeah, it. You know, Scott, I've been meaning to ask you. Not really, but I just thought about it right now the Eagles NFC championship game, you know, they played like Christian McCaffrey at quarterback in that game. Do you think that maybe there could have been any other result to the NFC championship? If the 49ers actually had like an entire team. So never say never. I think that, uh, you don't know. I mean, have to see a full game to know that for sure. Do I think the 49ers are extremely talented? Absolutely. Like, if you look at their skill position players, it's like a cheat code. Like, Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Ayuk, like, that's not fair. So, if, 
anybody throwing them the ball, Jimmy G or myself included, they're going to have a fighting chance. But when you've got – whenever you're essentially running out there with 10, 10 people and a quarterback who has to hand the football off, you just don't have a shot. It sucks. Do I want to – did I want us to win that way? No, not at all. But unfortunately, that's just how it played out. You know, It was done fair and square. Am I sad the Eagles won? Absolutely not. But I just wish it wasn't that way. Right. No, I'm I'm with you for sure. It's kind of crazy how that worked out. Like the 49ers lost because they had 10 guys eligible to play football. And then the Eagles lost because they didn't bring the right cleats to the Super Bowl. So, crazy. Hey, or. Yeah. Hear me out on this. Or they, they played a buzzsaw in the Kansas City, City Chiefs led by the uh, best quarterback in the league, Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, look at it how you want, but that's that's how I like to look at the Super Bowl last year. I'll say it was a hell of a game, and we'll just leave it at that. I didn't like the way it turned out, but it was a hell of a game. I'm not going not gonna to cry about it. I've, done, I've cried enough tears about it, okay? Amazing. Moving on, uh, let's talk about some of the drama that's rolling around the league right now. Taylor, why don't you uh, – there's a couple things. Why don't you pick topic number one as far as drama that's playing out? What do you want to talk about first? Well, might as well start with Sean Payton and uh, the Jets. You know, Sean Payton had some things to say uh, about the Jets OC, Nathaniel Hackett, basically running running his name down in Denver and how the way he ran the program was trash, basically, in lack of better terms. I'd, I'd say the Jets' new quarterback – didn't like that too much, and he had some things to say about Sean Payton. And uh, I think they see each other in week five, so I'm interested to see how that ultimately plays out. Aaron had yeah had his old uh, OCs back, or I guess current OCs back. I uh, full 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 disclosure, uh, mom, my mom is actually a massive Broncos fan, like massive Broncos fan. So she may uh, she may be mad at me for this one, but dude, I gotta say. Dude, Sean Payton, that's some big loser energy. Like, what good, what value does it bring to your organization sitting there bad-mouthing a – granted, Hackett couldn't hack it. He did a piss-poor job last year. Um, no one's arguing that. But from a from a professional standpoint, like, what value does that bring to sit there and trash what happened last year? You know, that's not what you do. It's not exactly the first time that Sean Payton's kind of randomly decided to insult people. I think it was uh, – the Cowboys, he insulted their play calling last year. Uh, I think he insulted the Chargers, Brandon Staley, as far as how he was or what he was doing there. So I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, you know, win, win some football games. He hasn't, he hasn't even coached a football team in over a year. Win some football games before you start talking trash. Jacob, what do you think? Well, there's always got to be one, right? So here's my take on it. And this is not me taking up for Sean Payton, as I've said at least once before to both of you. Pretty salty that he retired to get out of his contract in New Orleans. Uh, big Saints fan. So, yeah, not a big Sean Payton guy right now. However, I, I don't really think it's that big of a deal personally. He was a broadcaster last year. And what do those guys do religiously every single day? Completely just rip offensive coordinators, coaches, players, Limb from limb. It's what they do. It gets views. People love it. They eat it up. What's happening right now? Three guys on their second episode of a podcast talking about Sean Payton. Bad publicity, good publicity. It's all publicity, man. Is he is he wrong? You know, probably. Does it really matter? No. Is there a storyline now? 
Yes, week five. We cannot wait. Was he wrong about what he well, said? No. Nathaniel Hackett was dog, bro. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. There's not a Denver fan in the world that would say otherwise either. So did Sean Payton make some heinous remarks? Yeah, he did. Should he have said it? No, he shouldn't have said it. But who really cares? Don't get your feelings hurt. This is professional football. You make so much money. Like, come on, man. You know, you're not wrong. I I just don't see the point to it. But it is what it is, and we don't need to devote any more time to it here. So speaking of three guys talking about it. Sure. <laughs> Jacob, you wanna you wanna talk about the uh the other big I would say biggest drama going on right now? Dude, what is happening in Indy? Jonathan Taylor? One of the best young running backs in the league, and Jim somebody doesn't want to sign him? What? Oh Earsay. Yeah. Earsay. He needs to listen to what his fans are saying. Hey, wordplay. <laughs> Came off a lot better in my head. But anyway, Jonathan Taylor, dude, I, I don't know how, I, how you don't sign him. It sounds like it's completely over there. Now it's, you know, they're, they're coming out and they're saying that he's got back injuries and, you know, this and that so they can avoid trading him and put him on the non uh, non-football list. He comes out and says – I do not have a back injury. I've never had a back injury. You guys are all liars. This is going to be a huge controversy. Honestly, it's a lot like what we just talked about, except it's player versus owner and not coach versus coach. So it's it's pretty interesting to see. I would like to know if Jonathan Taylor is going to sit out this year or not and see what's happening there, preferably before the season starts. So, you know, we could not have him on any fantasy rosters. But I don't know, man. What do you think? So – Went on a full-on tangent last week about how running backs were treated in the NFL. Um, so I won't deep dive into it that much this week. But he's one of the few bright spots, not only on that offense, but on that team as a whole. It's him and Darius Leonard and maybe now Anthony Richardson. And that's about it. So what all things do, fan, do Colts fans have to come to the stadium on Sunday to watch? And you really want to take 33% of that equation away? Like, that's... That's just disrespectful to the people that pay the bills, but that's that's my thought process on it. And then to do it in a weird way where they have like a meeting on a van or a bus and conversations had, and then, and then immediately thereafter, JT is like, nah, I'm out. What I don't know what Irsay said to him, but he was – Taylor was not feeling it. Speaking of Taylor's feeling it or not feeling it, what do you think, sir? I don't know. It's it's a very weird situation. Like you said, you touched on it last week with running backs not getting paid. Um, I don't know if you guys remember Earl Thomas three, four, five years ago, whatever it was. He uh, ultimately didn't get a long-term contract. I can't remember if he was franchise tagged or what had happened, but he decided to play. Well, then he got a very serious injury and ultimately – Gave his sideline the bird as he was getting carted off the field, but missed the whole rest of the season. Players got to take care of themselves. Um, obviously, you want to be a team player, but you mentioned Le'Veon Bell last week too. He actually came out and said that you know he never should have done what he did, holding out. But on the other hand, a player can get injured and you know mess up his money long term. I think that Merce is trying to show that he's the man there and that. He has the say, and he can say and do whatever he wants to do. So 
So I, I don't blame Jonathan Taylor for being like, get me out of here. Because you want an owner, GM, coach that has your back. 100%. I'm really uh, not just JT, but the running back saga in general. I'm curious to see how this plays out and like what the, what the landscape for running backs look like, you know, one, two, three, five years down the road. And I wonder if this is going to turn into a situation to where, you know, it's going to stink, unfortunately, for the running backs right now. But because of them, you know, taking a stand, if it, it maybe it'll force the NFL's hand to, to change the way running back rookie contracts work. At least that's my hope. We'll see. Yeah, I think the weirdest part, I think like Jacob said, is that Jonathan Taylor literally came out on X or Twitter or whatever it's called now and said that he never claimed to have a back injury, never did have a back injury. So how often does this happen? You know, I mean, the coach is just like, oh, yeah, well, we're having contract issues and this and that. So this happened or this didn't happen. So you hate to see it. Yeah, that's a bummer. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, hopefully they get it worked out. I'm a betting man. My bet is that he played his last snap as a Colt. Um, what do you guys think? I don't. I really don't know. I don't know if there's any amount of money that could get him back as an Indianapolis Colt. Maybe, but he's obviously very upset at the entire situation. The ownership team has outed themselves as liars and apparently cheaters on this deal. So, you know, if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I don't play in Indy. There is a team that will sign me. I know that to be true. Just got to get the Colts to let me go, you know. So I would definitely tend to agree with you there, but we'll see. So, all right. So let's play a game. Most likely landing spot. So two teams. So uh, most likely landing spot for JT and best fit for JT. So, Jacob, why don't you go first? I mean, best fit for JT is the Colts. (laughs) I don't really... (laughs) I don't really know, honestly. I think it's kind of the same conversation we've been having, right? There's four or five free agent running backs out there, three that are actually top tier with Dalvin Cook. Uh, I'll I'll say second to middle tier. You got Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt and Zeke. So Jonathan Taylor would obviously join Dalvin Cook in in the top end of that for sure. A little bit of injury news that came out today that we'll kind of just have to monitor. Alexander Madison got rolled up on in practice. Mm. Uh, He actually has a little bit of a knee injury right now. So that leaves Minnesota with absolutely nothing. So just kind of a fun twist. I know you asked me about Jonathan Taylor, but do the Vikings try and go after Dalvin Cook, a guy that's been in their (laughs) offense forever, if they all of a sudden don't have Alexander Madison? Bring him back. I mean, what do you do there? Yeah, he's not going to come back for cheap. I wouldn't. That'd be hilarious if they cut him and then he's like, all right, now you got to pay me $15 million this year. So appreciate you. Right. I mean, every day we get closer to the season and these guys still haven't signed. So I'm getting kind of antsy to see actually what happens. It, this is really a, and it, you know, maybe Jim Irsay is kind of banking on the fact that it is getting close to season. I mean, preseason games are this month, right? The end of this month. Yeah. But no, we're there. Thursday. So first preseason game is so literally week. 40, 48 hours from this conversation. Yeah, exactly. So as a team, you know, what what are you what are you going to do? It's kind of starting to feel like most of the rosters are locked in. Like maybe we don't see Zeke or Leonard Fournette or Kareem Hunt or any of those guys until middle to end of the season when, you know, teams are banged up and they need a guy. I don't know. We're getting close for sure. What do you think, Taylor? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that – Honestly, it's something I hadn't thought about with Ursay. 
know, he's looking around like there's guys out there. So I don't necessarily have to pay my guy what what he thinks he needs paid. I think the Bills could be one. Devin Singletary's gone. James Cook is there. Naeem Hine out for season. Damian Harris. I believe he's healthy, but he can be struck by the injury bug. They could be looking someone to kind of bolster that that roster a little bit, that position. And Miami has been in talks, too, with Dalvin Cook, so maybe Miami looks at, at something like that. Dude, I will be so sad if Miami lands any of the free agent backs, because why? Like, they have A-Chain, the rookie they drafted this year, debatably one of the fastest football players in a minute. They have Jeff they have Raheem Mostert, both of which are already fluent in Mike McDaniel's offense. Why in the world would they go get another running back when they don't need one? I mean, it's the same conversation we've had this entire time. Now, is Dalvin Cook? I know what you're going to say. Well, would you rather have Dalvin Cook or Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert? No, I'm with you. Dalvin Cook is for sure the top-tier running back in that offense if he signs there. But if you're the Miami Dolphins, why do you spend the money on him if you've already got blazing speed in position. So I've heard an interesting take on that. Um, I think I was listening to the uh, was listening to the Monday Football Monday podcast on SB Nation, and you know they described it as an arms race in the AFC, and that's true. Like they're, the AFC is so stacked that you almost have to like you know that's the same reason why the Bills brought in Von Miller last year is that like they needed that extra piece to get him over the hunt. So I could 100% see a team that's already stacked at these positions to bring in more firepower because they've got to compete with with your uh, Chiefs and with your Bengals and with your Bills and with everybody else in the AFC. But to your point, they, I mean, they are legit. I mean, their their running back room is already pretty solid. Well, I, I just feel like I don't – it would be interesting to see – how much cap space they actually could even afford because they've just been signing players for like the last three years. You know, Tyreek Hill got an absolutely crazy blockbuster deal. They're going to have to pay Jalen Waddle what next year Tua coming is up. coming yeah. up on his, you know, like their defense is stacked with dudes that they're paying right now. Sucks for Jalen Ramsey that he got hurt, but he just got paid. I don't know. I, I've thought about that a lot actually this summer. You know, why Why in the world would Miami even entertain it whenever they can't afford him, I don't think. And I could be wrong. I, like I said, I don't know their financials. but Yeah, I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to understand cap space. Every year you hear that teams are, oh, well, they don't have much money and their cap space isn't very high and this and that, and then they go sign some big-name player. So that is very foreign to me. You got people uh, putting money on back ends of contracts and – Oh, I'm gonna guarantee, or I'm gonna, you know, give them this much of a signing bonus and this and that, and the way they handle money is way beyond me. Yeah, we don't want to bore the listeners because we obviously don't. None of us have that much of a grasp on it, but I can tell you, there's like some magic that can be done with contracts, like restructuring stuff to be like a signing bonus and then kicking it back towards the back end of the contract and this and that. But to your point, yeah, they they've spent a lot of money recently, so they may be. They may be kind of thin there. I haven't looked it over the cap to see what their financial position looks like, but super exciting content talking about talking about salary caps and whatnot. So uh, let's let's uh, let's get a little more lighthearted with it. You know, we missed out on this last week, um, but let's talk about some fantasy. Jacob, why don't you kick us off in the fantasy department, sir, Mister Sports Writer? Yeah, dude. So we'll we'll just start with uh, some of our 
top picks for the year, you know, maybe hit on some guys we're going to stay away from and, you know, kind of wrap it up with some sleepers. So I think my, my stance has actually changed a little bit in the last, oh, since Joe Burrow got hurt. My number one pick was Jamar Chase, and I didn't really have any qualms about anything. I think he's the, I think he's the top receiver in the game right now. That kind of goes along with what we've been talking about with the running backs. You know, used to in your home league, you just take two running backs right off the top, stack up, you get the guaranteed points every single week. Then you went and looked for receivers, and then ultimately a, a quarterback and a tight end, kicker, defense, you know, whatever. It's not really that way anymore. Uh, it depends on what kind of league you're in, but for the most part, you know, it's it's points per reception, pretty average everywhere you go right now, and receivers are just blowing the roof off the game, with the exception of, like, Austin Eckler and, you know, Derrick Henry, who seems to never slow down ever. So, yeah, you know, Jamar Chase is my number one. I hate to be that guy, but we don't really know what Joe Burrow is going to be looking like in the next eight to ten weeks. So I have to actually kind of cede to Justin Jefferson as number one overall. It just makes so much sense. The, the target load is going to be there. I mean, he's he saw 1,800 yards last year. It's, it's just stupid, actually. And that's, that's that offense. So, yeah, Justin Jefferson's got to be my number one. Number two, I think you can go a couple different ways here. I actually feel like Christian McCaffrey has to be that guy for me right now. He is in the absolute perfect offense for him. Everything about that offense is great for him. Kyle Shanahan is a big believer in feeding the running backs. Is he going to be in a little bit of a timeshare? You know, maybe, but he played a lot of really good football to end the season last year with uh, Brock Purdy taking the handoff, catching passes. Christian McCaffrey does it all. As far as number three goes, I think you can go, again, a couple different ways here. But with a healthy Joe Burrow, I want Jamar Chase every time. However, I understand. Austin Eckler's got to be the guy right there. Dude is a machine. Kellen Moore and his offense is going to be a more pass-happy offense, I think, which is going to be great for you know those receivers. But we've seen Austin Eckler catch 60, 70 balls a season for like the last three years. That's yeah, pretty crazy. Look like how they used uh, Tony Pollard down in Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, now nah, I think those those three guys you absolutely cannot go wrong with. Doesn't matter what the format is. Doesn't matter how big your league is. They're just all really, really excellent high floor picks. Uh, as far as guys I'm going to stay away from, I told the guys earlier. I think Derrick Henry is actually that guy for me this year. He's you know been in the league like 15 years or something. He takes 45 uh, hits a game because he gets the ball that many times. Not really, not real stats, but. Derrick Henry does tote the rock so many times a year. He actually had more carries than Ryan Tannehill had pass attempts last year, and that is atrocious. Mike Vrabel, you cannot do that to that man. Anyway, his backup, Ty J. Spears, I think is going to be special in this league, and I would not be surprised if Derrick Henry – I don't want to say finally because that means it's like I, I want him to get hurt, and that's not the case at all, but I just don't think Derrick Henry makes it through in a, a complete season. So that would be my stay away. Sleeper pick this year, got to go with my guy George Pickens out of Georgia. Guy is a freak. He's going towards the middle to end of all drafts right now. And it, you know, he, he could be the wide receiver one pretty quickly in that offense. I think Kenny Pickett's going to be improved. Offensive line is improved. He's the guy. So 
that's uh that's my take on it. Yeah, yeah. I think we're simpatico there on on Pickens. I see him beasting out this year. Um disagree on some other stuff, agree on some other stuff, but teach their own man. I appreciate the insight. I think that you may be right about Derek Henry though. Taylor, what do you got for us? Give us uh your big board top three. Give us your who to stay away from and give us your sleeper. My top three is oddly similar to Jacobs, slightly different. Um, I do have Justin Jefferson as my number one. He had 184 targets last year, which is unreal. Um, eight touchdowns, like Jacob said, 1,800 yards. They add Jordan Addison in the offseason, but they lose Adam Thielen. So I think that kind of evens out there. Um, they still got Kirk Cousins, so Justin Jefferson is going to get his. Uh, my second is actually Austin Eckler. He has proved year after year that He's a touchdown machine. Last year he had 18 touchdowns, 900 rushing yards, and uh, 700 receiving yards. So that's phenomenal for the uh, running back position. And my third is, along with Jacob Christian McCaffrey, he did the things he did. Yeah, Scott's giving me a thumbs down. He did the things he did in the past on a Panthers team that was not very good. He goes to a Mike Shanahan team, who, uh, or sorry, Kyle Shanahan team, that uh, knows how to use the running back. They've done more with less there. So I, I think big things happen for CMC next year. One of my players to avoid is not necessarily a first-round guy, but I have Christian Watson. He played pretty well. He came on really strong last year with Aaron Rodgers late in the season. But unfortunately for him, he does not have Aaron Rodgers anymore. He has Jordan Love. And strictly because of that, um, I stay away from Christian Watson wide receiver for the Packers. And my sleeper pick is Elijah Moore, um, wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, rookie season, he had he played 11 games. He had 590 all-purpose yards and six touchdowns. Last year, for whatever reason, they did not want to get him the ball. I mean, obviously, Garrett Wilson was there and went absolutely nucle- nuclear. But uh, I truly think that Elijah Moore, with a competent quarterback, and Deshaun Watson has a big year this year. So, Scott, uh, on to you. Man, I dig it. I think that you and I are on the same page on a couple of those. Just so you guys are aware, I'm keeping track of these. A, because I'm going to post them on the social. But B, because I want to come back at the end of the season and see who has the most egg on their face or who who uh, called this well or who didn't call it well. <clears throat> My number one pick, going to be kind of – I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this, but I'm good with it. I'm going to go with the, the number eight overall pick in the draft, Bijan Robinson out of Texas. Uh, and the reason being, historically speaking, any, any running back who's drafted top 10, you look at your Fournette, you look at your uh, Zeke Elliott, any of those guys, Todd Gurley, they just get just workhorsed like crazy their first two seasons. And who's his head coach there in Atlanta? Arthur Smith. Look at that guy's resume. You know, look, Jacob just talked about how he wants to stay away, uh, stay away from Derrick Henry. Reason being is because Derrick Henry's had more touches, like he said last year, than than uh, than Tannehill threw the freaking football. That's crazy, and that's you know that's indicative of what it's been like there the last couple of years. So I think Bijan's going to get a major workload, even with him sharing the back uh, backfield with Algiers. I think he's going to get you know, lots of work, uh, both running uh, carries out of the backfield and both receptions. You know, in PPR leagues especially, you know, points per reception, that means in addition to the yards they receive, they also get an additional point per catch. 
Sun's got a lot up, and I think he's actually going to uh, score quite a few points. Uh, my number two, for the same reasons you guys touched on, Justin Jefferson. <clears throat> he's hands down, um, you know, and there's you could argue back and forth who's the best receiver in the league between him and Jamar Chase. It's a 1A, 1B for me. Um, but Jeff, Justin Jefferson's the guy there. Uh, in addition to losing Thielen, um, you know, Dalvin Cook was pretty prevalent at catching uh, balls out of the backfield. So he's no longer there. That's one less one less receiving mouth you got to feed. So you know, Justin Jefferson is just going get, to keep getting forced by the football. Uh, and then lastly, uh, for my number three, um, I've got two, right? I've got Tyree Kill and I've got uh, Austin Eckler. It's kind of a 3A, 3B for me. But for Prince's sake, I'm going to go with Austin Eckler for the same reason. Um, you know, both touches out of the backfield and receptions out of the backfield. I think he's got the ability to give you more overall points. He's got a nose for the end zone a lot of times. Uh, and he's one of the few players in the NFL that actually uh, keeps up and wants to bolster their fantasy stack, stats, which I think is a really cool feature to, uh, or a really cool character, characteristic for a player to have, you know, knowing that what they do on the field directly impacts fantasy. What do you think about that, Jacob? Oh, yeah, dude, absolutely. I I think it's I, – I don't disagree with your B. John Robinson take at all. It's pretty incredible, actually, how how much of a talent he actually is. I think he was probably hands down the best football player in, in college football last year uh, on a Texas team that, you know, you could take her to leave it kind of deal. It's unfortunate – for that Texas team that B. John Robinson was so good because I think it actually held them back a little bit. They just tried to force him the ball every single play. They could have had a superstar receiver with uh, Xavier Worthy, Xavier Worthy, and I, I think he's going to do a lot of big things this year. But it, it's important to know that like B. John Robinson was that dude and teams could just key on him. And now in the NFL, like you said, he's going to have the best run offense in the game, which is wild to say that it was Atlanta. But it's factual. Tyler Algier had over a thousand yards last year, and he was the number two guy. You know, so uh, it, it'll be really crazy to see, man. But there was something else I was going to tell you. Mm. What if I told you that there is a receiver on a team that is not the number one that is probably going to have? I'm going to say north of 1,600 receiving yards this year, and we're going to give him eight touchdowns. Do you know who that receiver is? Either Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle. His name is Jalen Waddle. That team is crazy, man. That team is crazy. The speed that they have is unrivaled, really, in the NFL. You got Tyreek Hill. You got Jalen Waddle. Devon Shane out of Texas A&M, they drafted. He's the running back. He could have three touches a game and could also have 200 yards and three touchdowns. Like, it's, it's absurd what that dude could do. It's literally a Madden game. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's a shell game. I mean, if Tua can stay healthy, and I, I hope that he can because I think – I mean, he, he was having an MVP caliber season last year prior to his seven concussions. Yeah. You know, like, if dude can keep his head on straight and not get rocked, that team's crazy. Which hopefully he can, man. It's, like, it's, a, it's unfortunate the, the beating he took last year and, and all of that, the way it played out. We're not going to yeah. get into the deep end of that, but yeah, hopefully he stays healthy. Sure, yeah. Like, I would have to go back and look, but I'm fairly positive there were at least three games that both Waddle and Tyreek Hill had 150 yards plus receiving. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember. When was the last time that happened? I, I have no idea. <laughs> no, has I remember, it ever happened before? I remember the Baltimore game specifically. Was, I, I had uh, Tyreek Hill rostered, and like at halftime, he had like nine points. And then the dude had three fourth-quarter touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. Finished with like 45 points. And I was like, what is happening? I'm pretty sure they had Yes, and Waddle had like 32. Them. Yeah. That <laughs> was crazy. Yes. No, it, it it was unbelievable. And Lamar Jackson was just like, what do I have to do to win with this Baltimore team, man? Right. Because I think Lamar had over 100 yards rushing and 300 yards passing, and it yeah. didn't matter because they just weren't good enough. Nope. And sometimes that happens any given Sunday like we've talked about. It was an awesome game, though. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. Fireworks for sure. So that was based off me having Tyreek as my, my potential number three there guy, which I still think yeah. that he's a potential number three option. But for this practice, I'm going to go Eckler over Tyreek Hill. <laughs> no, I I think, I mean, Tyreek Hill is Tyreek Hill, dude. He got paid like he got paid because he's incredible. Uh, that's, that's just a fact. But from a, a schematic standpoint, if you're in a fantasy draft and you know you're for sure not going to get Tyreek Hill, <laughs> Jalen Waddle is going to be there at the turn somewhere. And that is more than enough to be a, a third receiver or a flex option. So... Keep your eye out for Jalen Waddle, I'm telling you. Sorry, y'all, if you heard that barking, that was uh, my boy Atticus. He uh, He's a big Tyreek Hill fan, so the fact that I picked uh, Eckler over him, he was not happy about it. He wanted to voice his opinion. I get that. My, uh, I get that. My, uh, my stay away from, and let me preface this by saying that I'm not saying don't roster him at all. I'm saying that if I would not personally, personally spend first, second, or at least first or second round capital on him. And that's going to be CMC. I think he's going to have some good moments, but I don't think the production's going to be where everybody thinks it's going to be. If you, if you pick him up and, you know, bottom half of the second round, top of the third, money. But I don't think that he's going to be a first round draft, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm okay if you guys want to come at me on social media. I'm fine. I'm here for it. But that's my personal opinion. I think he may lose a step this, this month, this month, this year. Uh, well, I guess kind of this month since football's back. But, yeah, this year I think he's going to – his production will fall off a little bit. You guys want to fight me on that? No, I don't really think we need to fight you, Scott. I think the world will fight you. That's fair. I'm here for it. It's a hill I'm going to die on. I'm good with it. And then lastly, my sleeper. This is the homer in me coming out. Uh, I'm going to go with Rashad Penny. Uh, assuming that he stays healthy, fingers crossed, uh, behind our offensive line. The guy's got the potential to be an absolute freaking beast. You know, when he was healthy in Seattle, he averaged, you know, there were multiple stints, not just single game stints, but multiple game stints where he averaged the most yards per carry in the NFL, most yards after contact in the NFL. The guy's a beast. He's just had really unfortunate injury luck. So fingers crossed that he stays healthy and he gets over that hump for Philly this year. The thing is with that guy, he's got a super low floor. He could be injured in training camp or like preseason game two. Or he's got like a super high ceiling where he could lead the entire entire NFL and in, in rushing. It's one or the other. It's not going to be mediocre. It's going to be one or the other. Nah, I, I'm a really big on Penny. Actually, I I moved him up. I had him ranked around the 130 mark uh, this last week, and I actually bumped him all the way up to 95 uh, on Monday because don't know if you saw, but there was a report that came out that uh, Penny was actually getting all the first team all the first team reps. So. Sounds like they're going to be moving DeAndre Swift around a lot, getting him involved in the passing game, and Penny might be the bruiser. So yeah. I'm a big fan of that. No, 100%. That's everything I've heard as well, is that Penny's been getting a lot of 
you know, looking at wheel routes and uh, I think it's called a Texas route where they come over the middle. Um, that's Swift's uh, bread and butter in this offense. And then, yeah, Penny's going to be the lead back from a, a carry standpoint. Right. Some thunder and lightning action. Yeah, man. I'm here for it. Not a homer at all, I promise. Well, uh, that is actually – that's everything I've got on the ledger, the docket for today, if you will. Any closing thoughts, guys? Yeah, I was just going to touch on the World Cup real quick. Ooh, shame on me. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's all good. So, Women's World Cup, we are now three games in. We have won one, and we have tied two. This last game, we probably should have won. Uh, for those that don't know, my wife is a head soccer coach. She is my guru on all things soccer. And, you know, it kind of sounds like they're really missing that key leadership that retired. Carly Lloyd doesn't really feel like the fire is there for this World Cup team right now. Not sure what's going on there. One of their key players got their second yellow card back-to-back game. So she's actually going to miss the fourth game coming up. Interesting. Might need to see a roster shakeup. Hopefully something good comes our way in game four. Because it's winner go home now. Yeah, I mean the good news is they go did. Team. They had uh, advanced to the knockout round, but yeah, one win and two ties. It's not not the U.S. team of old. Got to get that three. Completely. Feet. Another uh, cool thing that happened in sports right now. You talk. You want to talk? <laughs> Another cool thing that's happening in sports right now. Uh, the Angels actually decided they are not going to trade Shohei Otani. And they have also, I mean, loaded up on pitching and bats. The trade deadline was crazy for the Angels, dude. I'm telling you, it's going to be nuts to end the season. They actually got a chance at a pennant this year. World Series. Go Angels. Could you imagine the flack they would have caught, and rightfully so, if they traded him? Like, Could you imagine? I'm not the the hugest – like baseball guy, but I do know you don't trade the best athlete like in the game. <laughs> That's rule number one. No, find a way to pay him. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, they got Mike Trout, they got Otani. I mean, it, it, it's just, it's really silly. They went and got Lucas Giolito, who is actually one of my favorite pitchers in the game. I think he's going to be a really good anchor for them. His first game out uh, was not good. He gave up like four, four or five runs, but. You know, he's got to get acclimated to the system. He just got there. I think that he needs another couple starts before we go, oh, my gosh, they, they really messed up by going and getting him. Love that dude. So it, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a crazy finish to the season for sure. Looking so. forward to it. And for those who obviously can't see or hear what was happening, Jacob was asking his wife, the the resident soccer guru, if she wanted to, to talk on the pod and give her insight. And the, sounds like she declined. But one of these days, we'll get her on here. Yep. One of these days, for sure. Appreciate that, sir. I I'm, I'm really feel bad about not bringing that up, man. Taylor, closing thoughts at all? Non-football or anything? Tell us about, did you see Barbenheimer or anything? What, what you got for us? But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to keep doing this. It's I love talking about football. Love love talking with you guys. And hopefully the uh, listener, listeners enjoy it. Agreed. Uh, looks like, you know, as the season is uh, hitting its stride. We are too, so we should be back here uh, same time next week. Tentatively, we want to have these things recorded uh, no later than Tuesday and hopefully drop on Wednesday. Um, that's that's the rhythm we want to get into. That way we can cover everything that happened on you know throughout the, the sports weekend, know what happened on Monday night, 
talk about all that and then get you ready going into Thursday night. Just our thoughts and takes on all that jazz. But yeah, I enjoyed it, guys. Um, looking forward to doing it uh, going forward. Hey, one last closing thought. We went and saw Oppenheimer this weekend. And if you're going to go see that movie, you need to research a little bit before you go. So you know actually what's going on for most of the movie. It was a crazy good movie. Really enjoyed it. Wouldn't take any kids probably, but really enjoyed the movie. Um, but yeah, research Robert Oppenheimer. Research the the history track there because it's going to be really good for you to know as the movie unfolds. And so you're not lost, you know, 40% of the movie like I was. Didn't pay much attention in history, so probably should have. Did you uh, did you do the Barbenheimer like mashup? You know, like two hundred thousand something people in the U.S. like bought tickets for both and watched them both in the same day. You didn't do that. Yeah, it's actually incredible to me that somebody could do that because Oppenheimer runs for three hours. Yeah, it's it's a solid. And I don't five know what and a half. Barbie runs for, but it's it's two and a half hours. So con- combined, you're looking at like five and a half hours of consecutive viewing, and I'm out on that. Yeah, that's an entire day, dude. Stop it. <laughs> well, on that on that note, let's let's wrap up, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. I will uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yep, same time next week. Looking forward to it.